David, uh, thank you for being here tonight. You are the founder of the Shenzhen Innovation Lab. Can you maybe tell us a little bit what the Innovation Lab is about? Yeah, so we started the Open Innovation Lab in 2015. Okay. Uh, it's really to thinking about uh, Shenzhen not as just an uh, industrial city, but Shenzhen as a big open ecosystem. Okay. Uh, Shenzhen right now is about 90% of the global electronics. Uh, meaning Shenzhen not just produced for Europe, America, it also produced for the rest of the world. Um, and under that system, it created a very interesting uh, business. Um, people are not just doing large batch work, but also small batch, uh, how to figure out how we can get mobile phone to the hand of the Af uh, African farmer. And under that, Shenzhen has a very unique ecosystem, which is very good for startup, small company uh, trying to solve problem. So uh, we come to starting this from running a think tank, looking at bottom-up innovations. Uh, so Shenzhen has been one of the models we used to study. Uh, so we started the Shenzhen Open Innovation Lab with the goal to communicate, uh, to promote, and to work with the new global emerging uh, entrepreneurial system. Uh, right now, I think everywhere in the world you go, young people are trying to start new business. Yes. Uh, and a lot of this is coming into the hardware, not just in the software, not just in internet, not just in app, but uh, building actual hardware. Okay. Um, so we're trying to interface with this group and to First, to tell them how is the right way to think about starting your hardware business. Mm -hmm. And second is the how do you leverage the resource in Shenzhen to do this fast, efficient, and low risk. Okay. And, and what is the, the secret of Shenzhen? Uh, if you look at the speed, mm -hmm. uh, we're from Europe, we have the feeling that everything goes like 10 to 20 times faster than what we're used to and you're yeah. helping with them. What's your advice? How, how can a startup be fast here in Shenzhen? Yeah, so I think uh, for we, we did, so when we started in 2015, uh, we are set up to be international bridge. Okay. Um, the, we work with the US startup, uh, but US startup is all about equity. Uh, and then 2016, we started to work with European startup. Yeah. Uh, they want to ship, but then, well, it takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the end of 2016, we started to engage with uh, African startup, okay. which we realized is the best to leverage the Shenzhen resource oh, really? uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, to better leverage Shenzhen resource is to do, when you are small, uh, is to take the easiest one, the fastest path mm -hmm. to get to your customer. Right. It's not about designing exactly of what you want but be able to identify the core competence of your projects mm -hmm. uh, and then take the, take the existing resource as fast as possible. Okay. So Shenzhen is interesting. I mean, people are thinking about building hardware, still thinking about doing this from scratch, mm -hmm. from engineering, design, do all the casting tour and everything. But in Shenzhen, it's doing in reverse. So Shenzhen has a huge uh, white label industry meaning everything here. If you go to, when you go to the electronic market, which you, I think you are going tomorrow. Yeah, I, I saw it last year in May when I was here. It's, okay. it's huge. Yeah, yeah. They, got, they got everything here. The gigantic, um, but you, yeah. Gigantic, yeah. 
absolutely. Not just component, transistor, chips, but you see watches, yeah. uh, everything. tablet, everything. everything. Uh, one thing we, we really teach the startup to look at that market is not just looking at the chips as a component, but looking at the whole watch as a component. Because all of this shop, you can just walk into and say, okay, well, I like this color. Here's my logo. I need 200 of them. Yeah. And you would have it in two weeks. Uh, and with that kind of power is the, you are easy to find things yeah. you need it, uh, very close to what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, and you can easy test in your first hundred customer, first 500 customer. Yeah. Uh, software we talked about doing the MVP, the minimal viable product. Shenzhen is the best place to do to create minimal viable product for hardware. Okay. Uh, because not because uh, Shenzhen has a se secret sauce to do a small batch fast. Yeah. It's because Shenzhen is open and cooperative. Okay. So you can someone is finishing the watch, you can just go in there and say, okay, well, I'll take the watch, put on my logo. This is yours. Yeah. You can start to ship it. Your customer getting customer feedback. Uh, so with that, we're starting to teach startup. This is how you should engage. Yeah. Uh, and of course, a lot of them, startup is still very fixated on their owning the entire IP. Uh, but typically, I mean, spending a million dollars developing everything you can buy today in Shenzhen for $20 wow. is not a smart thing to do. Yeah. It's actually pretty... <laughs> It's actually pretty dumb, dumb yeah. and dangerous. <laughs> but you, you talk about IP. I saw a video of you this morning mm -hmm. and you were very blunt on IP that you thought it was crazy that a bunch of companies just don't do anything. They just protect IP. And, yeah. and, and can you share that opinion with, with our viewers? What, what is your opinion about yeah. IP? So IP is good if you are a large company yeah. with $500 an hour lawyer. You can sue people. <laughs> um, that's where IP is good. But as a startup, uh, IP doesn't do much. Uh, actually, there's a very good book called Democratizing Innovation. Okay. Uh, it's by Eric Van Hippo of okay. MIT. Basically, he documented this uh, IP and small in innovator yeah. and small inventors. Basically, in the past 30 years, there's no small inventor who get rich on IP, who get rich on and this, they're going to produce it. Okay. Um, but when you produce it, it's about your business. It's not about IP anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first. Uh, IP doesn't really do much for startup. Mm -hmm. um, for second, uh, and it's very important, is the IP does not protect idea. IP protect implementation. Mm -hmm. So let's say I have a great idea. This is one of the projects we are working on. It's the uh, robot, uh, robot for farm, farming robot mm -hmm. to uh, take out the weed. Uh, that's one of the biggest expense of organic farming. Uh, you take, you have manually pull the weed out of the uh, field okay. for organic farming. So here's the difference. The idea is I will build a robot to take out the weed. Yeah. That's an idea. It's not protected by copyright. It's not protected by pattern. It's just an idea. Mm -hmm. The IP and copyright will protect how I implement the robots, right. but that's 10,000 different ways to implement the robot. Very small details. Very, very small detail. Uh, and that's typically, the idea is great, but idea is not uh, 
copyrightable or patentable. You cannot. So you, to, to make it very concrete, you recommend startups not to waste time in, not, in protecting their ideas with yeah, IP, right? I, I mean, the, the idea cannot be protected by IP. That's the key. Uh, you have ideas to do uh, we killing robots. That's not protectable in any in any country in any regulations. And once you implement it, uh, there are ten thousand ways to implement the same functions, yeah. the same idea. Yeah. So that's also the other thing to get around is the when you are a startup, you have a good idea, which the idea will deliver value to your customer. Mm -hmm. uh, don't fixate it on implementation because there's always ten thousand ways to implement it. Yeah. Uh, try to get into the market as early as possible. Establish yourself as a brand. Uh, try to sell as much as possible. Yeah. So at some point, you can hire the five hundred dollar lawyer to sue people. Yeah. But try to get there fast. Yeah. Uh, the before that, um, if you have to choose between protecting the IP and the, to market speed, always choose the to market speed first. Maybe a last question. Uh, we need your advice. You mentioned that you said in Europe it's a disaster to work with uh, companies because it's, it takes it takes forever. This is a frustration for many European entrepreneurs that mm -hmm. we have the feeling that we're losing the battle to US and China mainly. What would be your recommendation to European entrepreneurs? What can they do to really win and make a difference? Well, I think the right now it's the depends on how we encourage the entrepreneur. Okay. So uh, there are entrepreneurs in every level of society. Uh, so we are looking at entrepreneurs who actually have a real problem to solve. Yeah. And typically this won't come from the company who's, uh, who can afford to spend six months going after VC, who can spend six months uh, taking a 10-page PowerPoint and just yeah. go having coffee, doing the pitch sections. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you look at Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. uh, right now we are running out of, I mean, if you live in a very affluent society, you are running a real problem to solve. Mm -hmm. uh, in Silicon Valley in the past couple of years is Juicero, the one to squeeze the juice. I mean, even the last Google I.O. was $100 million in the uh, natural language processing uh, investment, uh, most impressive uh, AI with the Google Duplex. The only, the only, the only problem they can figure out is the well. Now I don't have to talk to real people for thirty seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are running out of problem. Uh, so okay. I think two things is the try to find real problem, try to find real need. Uh, okay. If you cannot find it in your living, uh, go with the rural area. Go with the right now European country taking a lot of refugee. Yeah. Go to go try to solve the, the, the problem with the refugee. Uh, well, and the other thing we always tell people is the go to Africa. Uh, if you miss China twenty years ago, Africa is the place to be. Yeah, because they still have real problems. Because they still have real issue to solve because they are large scale. So really try to go out and find real problem. Yeah. Otherwise, the if we keep the entrepreneur in their own bubble. Yeah. Uh, they are running out of problem to solve. And yeah. everybody making smart cookware these days is that, okay, well, what's the smartest yeah. device I can use to cook an egg? It's more the internet of stupid things. Than yeah, the that, that, that's why we get internet of stupid. But interestingly is the, for the past year, we work a lot with Africa. Yeah. We never see an internet of stupid things out of Africa. It just it delivers it real value. Just deliver real value, smart agriculture, 
uh, everything is the they take advantage of the production to be cheap, technology to be open, and the knowledge to be open. And they take all of that and really just find a local problem. And today, if you can figure out a one small problem in the African village, mm-hmm. you, that same thing can scale horizontally through hundreds of thousands of villages right. across, uh, rather than the other way around, trying to have in the traditional, okay, well, things will come out from US and Europe first, and then it trickle down. Uh, the, the, the trickle down doesn't happen anymore. Anything, any, anyone come out with a thousand dollar device in America or Europe, if it's popular, you will get it for $100 in Shenzhen in three months. You will get it for $10 in Shenzhen in 12 months. Uh, with that speed, uh, that's the, there's the, the, the same idea. If, it, if it's going to work, uh, it's going to be broadcast across the world right. in a record speed because of, we have a city like Shenzhen.